Hello and welcome to the agenda. It's the Monday, the twenty. So forgot the day there. It's Monday, the twenty seventh of March, twenty twenty three. I am your host, Christopher Gallagher, and I'm coming from what could only be descri- described as a glorious day uh, on uh, in Cambus Lang. Uh, I'm sure it's the same in the east end of Glasgow. I'll just get a wee update from our, our correspondent in the east end of Glasgow, Alan Edgar. Can you hear me? What is the weather like? Uh, I'd like to continue that bit, but I don't really know what I'm either man says other than it's lovely, it's nice and sunny, it is a very nice day. Um, yeah, if you can tell we're a wee bit, Matt's sharpness has, has gone a wee bit during the international break. Um, we'll be back to it next week, we'll be back to it. How the hell are you Alan? Are you good? I'm good mate, I am. Um, I have been up since very, very, very early this morning, so I'm really hoping for a big performance today. Why? Either that or I might, I might crash and burn. Yeah, well, I couldn't sleep. Oh, I've well, been up since about 2.30am, which is obviously an unusual time to wake up. Well, actually? Unless, yeah, I just could not get back to sleep, so I just got up and started starsing about the house, probably being a massive pain in the ass, I would imagine, um, to both Pamela and the dog. But uh, yeah, so I'll finish, I'll wrap up here. Ronnie's got a haircut and then I'll probably just go to my bed and that'll be me <laughs> and I'll just get into the routine of it now. I'll be a night person now. Good. You're um yeah, you've come for some reason you've switched to uh, a night person. Uh Kieran Devlin, has there been any sort of big revelations in, in your household? And although also how's the weather? Uh the weather, the weather's glorious, uh, it's beautiful. Uh, I'm looking forward to the post agenda work. But this time, because it's so uh lovely, uh and because uh I got a new job. Hey! Which is uh, fun. So uh, I don't have to return back to do work after this. I can just go and go to go up Arthur's seat. So spend a good few hours and enjoy the sun because the the weather for the next few days looks shit. So I'm going to enjoy the the sun while it's out. Uh, yeah, I know the best thing the new job is going to be technology journalist, and it's going to be still fully remote and flexi working, so I can keep doing the agenda, which which is absolutely the most important part of the uh, factor in choosing it. And I, I'm not, I'm not, there's an inch of irony there. It was legitimately a big, big factor. <laughs> um, okay. Because I love it. I love it. I love it. I love you guys. I love doing the agenda. I love uh, people saying they actually do listen to me chat about DJ music. So it's been, yeah. Uh, yeah, beautiful day. Looking forward to celebrating it by uh, being stuck behind some tourists behind Arthur's seat. It's going to be a great time. Look at this. Big positive balls on Kieran Devlin here. Love it. Love it. Uh, also, Enjoy well last. Yeah, hi. <laughs> that was Kieran Devlin. Kieran Devlin's Jordan Belfort. I'm not fucking leaving. Moment there. <laughs> Absolutely. And I enjoyed it very much. Uh, great stuff, Kieran. Um, uh, do you know I've never been up Arthur's seat. I've always uh, I used to work in. Uh, I didn't work in Edinburgh, but used to go through every every now and then for working. We used to always walk by it. It looks good. I'm guessing you get an amazing kind of view of the city. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's really, really nice. Um, as I said, it's very, very tourist heavy. But I think if you go like Monday afternoon, I think it should be pretty good for for foot traffic. And it's on a day like this, was you can see, you know, you see the fourth of fourth and everything, and it's lovely, uh, really enjoyable. So yeah, I go do it every six months or so. Stick a podcast in, a cynic podcast, of course, and uh, have a great time. Okay, so Alan, if you go any walks around uh, your area, is there any kind of nice kind of beauty marks that you go and see or? Beauty marks. Um, I wanted, oh, yeah, as soon as I said that, I thought, what, beauty spots, I guess? Yeah, I do like, I'm very fortunate. I, I do like Celtic to go Park. Celtic Way, correct, Kieran Devlin. Um, someone who remembers a bit about this club's <laughs> history, Christopher. Um, 
I do also like, I like to go up to Alexandra Parade with Ronnie um, and then swing by some good food spots or coffee shops on the way home, um, either along Duke Street or on the parade. So, yep, um, I would say that's my, my go-tos. Great stuff. Uh, from my point of view, there's some really... Canvas Land Park is is very, very nice. It's uh, quite big and nice, and there's some nice fields that give you some really great views of the entire city. So, yeah, it's good. it really is good to have those kind of nature kind of spots, beauty spots around, and, you know, if... Uh, you know, walking's important to you know for your mental health, and it's uh, I would encourage it. Also, I know I said this a while ago when we were locked down, but I've started doing um, yoga again. Uh, really, it's really really basic yoga, really basic, but ten minutes every morning uh, for people in your forties that haven't <laughs> don't often get a lot of kind of exercise and stuff. I can't rec- recommend it enough. Um, just ten minutes, a little bit of. Uh, even kind of just time yourself. It's good. Um, so, yeah, I would uh, encourage everyone to kind of take those times for yourself and uh, focus. Uh, right. Um, Stretch. <laughs> Sorry, I thought I was in mute there. Genuinely. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, that was... Um, that was... That was that was comic. I, I had no idea why you said that the way you said that there. Um, that was comic genius. Um, absolutely perfect. Uh, <laughs> good morning and welcome to the agenda. Alan Edgar has not had sleep uh, in about nine hours. Um, he's he's running on empty. Uh, glorious, Alan. Glorious. Um, let's um, let we've got a we've got an opening question. Um, Actually, before we even get to the opening question, over the weekend we had two features, uh, Celtic Roulette, which was uh, myself, Alan and Barry, and Dr. Carlin's Celtic Monster, which was a lot of fun as well. Uh, There's been a lot of really great great feedback for both podcasts. Um, I really want to thank everyone for, for listening to them and... As I say, as we all say, you know, um, if you've got, if you enjoy something, let us know. If, if maybe you don't enjoy something, you can let us know as well. Um, but the positive feedback has been truly excellent. So thanks very much. Um, and they're available in your RSS feed and on the app and on the website. So check it out. Okay, opening question. Um, and this is from Andy, uh, Andy O'Connor. If the worst case scenario is Hitati is out for a few weeks, uh, missing the eighth, is there concern about the legs running power of a CM central midfield three of Callum McGregor, Adam Moy and Matt O'Reilly? Um, we don't know yet quite how long Hitati is going to be out for. He obviously, we, we talk about him on a regular basis and we, you've got three huge Hitati fans here, along with m- most of the support to be fair. Um, Alan... Hatati, obviously, he's probably going to be up for play of the year with his performances. Uh, this is a huge game on the 8th. That midfield three, if it was to be McGregor, Moy and O'Reilly, obviously it's not your first choice with Hatati being out, but would you have a lot of worry about that midfield? I don't I don't think I would have a lot of worry about it. It is a significant change, though, from um, a midfield three that features Rio Hatati. Yeah. And I think that the point that's raised about his his energy, his enthusiasm, I think his work rate to get into his position and get into his position early, I think tends to feed through the team. And it, I think a lot of the time, the energy that we we have when we have the ball, I think a lot of the time it comes from Hitati as a starting point. So I don't have any um, doubts over the ability of 
well, we'd be speaking about O'Reilly, but then them as a three, I think they're more than capable of, you know, excelling on any given day. But Hatati is a special player and he's extremely consistent and he does, we've always kind of said, I think, well, for quite some time now, we've said that it's McGregor, Hatati plus one. And I think you do put Hatati's influence and importance in the team, not too far off Callum McGregor's. Um, and there's only maybe another, maybe one, maybe two players in the team that you could really say that about, if any. So it's not that I would be critical or that I would be worried about that three particularly. Um, it's more that it is just, you would have to deal with the loss of what is one of probably the top three players in your, in your side, in my opinion. So it would be a huge loss. I hope that the international break came at the right time. But I think it would just be a different team you would see or a different um, kind of way of attacking, maybe just a little bit more. Um, I think Callum McGregor would have to pick up a little bit more. And I think you'd probably see O'Reilly and Moy playing that little bit higher up the park. But I wouldn't have any concerns about them being able to get results in any of the games remaining this season. But I would very much like to see um, Rio Hatate back there. And I think the other name that probably would crop up in the event that Hatate isn't available for this week or maybe a couple of weeks, I think you would then see um, Awata a lot more. And I think he would really be pushed up that pecking order because some of that energy, that enthusiasm that you might lose from Hatate looks like something that Awata could potentially bring in and um, maybe make a timely kind of contribution to the to the season. Keenan, what's your thoughts on it? Obviously, you know, Hatate were all marks for him. Um, but those three players, would they be okay? Would there be potential... For are we just assuming it would be those three? Would anyone else, as, as Alan says, you know, a water? What's your thoughts? Yeah, I, th- I think I wouldn't have any issue with them on the ball. I, I think last week I was really frustrated because I, I think think we did a miss Hatati after it went off because it was just recycling the ball around the box. At the same time, reflecting on it a bit more, I do think the circumstances of the game did change when they went, Hibs went down to 10 men and they changed their game plan where they just like had 10 men behind the ball the entire time and they really just closed off the spaces and it does force you to maybe be a bit more, um, well, safe. You're not trying those types of penetrative passes that Hattie excels at so much. Um, I do think he'll be a miss there, but I do think the thing I'd be, I guess, slightly worried about Maybe less so because we're speaking domestically. I think it's against Rangers, I think, would be where the issue would lie. But I think against the 10 other teams is that tracking back and that work rate. It's not a coincidence that Moy's best performances is with Hatate beside him because Hatate does the work that Moy doesn't in terms of those tracking back, covering the spaces on transition, that kind of thing that Moy, you know, he is at his best when he's he's on the ball. Um uh, and he he has other people doing that, you know, the legwork for him in that sense. Um, yeah, I think it's yeah. I do worry because O'Reilly and Moy we've talked. They are very slow players. They are very slow players. It leaves a lot of work for McGregor to do. I think they've all three of them have real quality, and I think for most of the games, you know, before before the Rangers game. I think we'll be okay, but it's just that Rangers game is like a stand stands out as something I'd be I'd be really concerned about going into that game without Itati. And you know, if that was the three, I think Anne's right. Awata will be a really interesting one, and I think that will be quite a statement of both intent of how serious Ange is about integrating Awata before next season. Um, if he is definitely above Turnbull in the pecking order, which assume we assume he is now because he was getting minutes ahead of him 
before Turn Turnbull, you know, before he missed the Hibs game, and then Turnbull obviously delivered that performance. Um, but then again, so did O'Reilly. But I, I do think personally, I would I would quite like to see maybe Elbat as the six and McGregor further forwards just to have that energy, just to cover those 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 bases rather than having you know two relatively slow players who don't contribute a lot defensively. Um, but at the same, you know, I think Ange probably will stick with those three. I mean, I mentioned last week, I, being, you know, a wanky hipster, I'd quite like to see Haxabanovic at the eight. Yes. Over that side of thing. Yes. You know, I think I'd, I'd be quite excited to see him there, um, get some game time, maybe see what he can do. But I, I, I can't see it from Ange's perspective. I think it very likely will be Moy and O'Reilly's to lose, maybe with Awata coming on at the 60th minute mark. Could be spring a surprise for the Rangers game and have a lot as a starter just because he might want to be a bit more defensively secure. But yeah, we'll wait and see. Um, Alan, what would it say if, and again, we're only going on scenarios because, you know, Touchwood Hitati is available, but what would it say if O'Reilly wasn't to take part in the Rangers game? If it was to be a at the six with McGregor and Moy um, starting that game against Rangers on the eighth, would that be a kind of indictment of, of where O'Reilly is in the squad. And I know that's kind of harsh because we, we've all the caveats of him being young and stuff. But, you know, he went from being a guy who was, you know, you, you wouldn't even blink at the idea of him being on the, the, the kind of first team game against Rangers, on the team sheet against Rangers, to now being like, ah, you know, I'm okay with him being there, but I would prefer X and Y. Thoughts? I think that specific scenario that you've raised there, and, and that game where Matt O'Reilly has been at, I think I, I would only be able to see that as a real vote of confidence in Awata. I, I feel, I think Ange still believes wholeheartedly in Matt O'Reilly. I think he, he's maybe just gone through a tough patch. You know, I say tough patch. He's not been, he's not hit the heights that he's certainly capable of and that he, he showed when he came in last year and in the early part maybe of this season. Um I don't think Ange, I think it's circumstance. You know, Aaron Moy came in and genuinely has been exceptional and was a different player to the player that was there before the World Cup. Um, And I think, you know, to use Lorenzo's phrase, Ange has stuck with the hot hand, which has been Aaron Moy and Rio Hitati picks himself. So if he was to go with Awata, I mean, forget the Rangers game, if he was to go with, um, if Hitati wasn't available and he went with Awata this weekend, for example, I think it would be more of, he would look at the dynamic of what he's got and he maybe felt that actually that he could use Matt O'Reilly as more of a replacement for Aaron Moy than as a replacement for Rio Hitati, which I think is a reasonable decision to make. So I wouldn't see it as O'Reilly's miles off it. I would look at it as actually Awata is a lot closer than we think. And that if it was Moy that was out, he wouldn't go with Awata, that he might then go with um, O'Reilly to replace him. I think there is a, an issue of that energy and that little bit of physicality that I think Awata will bring that O'Reilly doesn't. If you want to be really blunt about it and maybe quite old fashioned, you could describe O'Reilly as more of a technician um, than, as, than an engine, which I think is being very, very blunt with it. But if you're trying to build a three, you need different elements of both. And I think Awata looks like it could be a slightly different proposition. Um, no one's going to be a like-for-like replacement for Hitate. So I think it would just be them trying to get a blend. So that scenario you've mentioned, I would see more of a vote of confidence in Awata and that he maybe just brings a little bit more of what he wants 
to fit in with that um, with Aaron Moy and Callum McGregor rather than O'Reilly being down the pecking order. And again, the same thing that we say all the time when a team starts: whoever's you know the first go to substitute is going to get a third of the game usually. So you know it's it's not a case of well he's going to get five minutes five minutes at the end. They will play a substantial amount of game time and they will have a huge part to play. So even substitutes um is you know the same way as we would have looked at it two years ago. Uh, well, I'll move on to a question from Paul uh, Paul sent in this question, it's quite interesting Is there any player in the current side And I, I think he probably means side slash squad That could play in all teams in the recent past Say since 2000 And not miss a beat So obviously you've got the Martin O'Neill team You've got the Gordon Strachan team You've got the Cronin Mulberry team you get the Neil Lennon team uh, You've got uh, Brendan Rodgers uh, Right up to where we are now Is there any player that could play in all of those teams without missing a beat? And I guess you could say any position. So is there anyone that comes straight straight to mind? Alan, you're knocking your, nodding your head straight away. Who is it? I think I had mentioned last week that I don't think it's the best player in the team, but I think the player that would fit in seamlessly to any team over the last 20 years is Cameron Carter-Vickers. Um, because I feel that he's very comfortable and all elements of the game that largely have been the same for the last 20 years. And I think any manager in that time period, every manager you mentioned would gladly pick Cameron Carter because as a starter without too much, without having to shift their, their, their mindset or mentality at all. So I feel like he's the one that I think would be a, I mean, you take out Cal McGregor because he has kind of featured, but, I just feel that CCV would probably be an automatic pick for any of the Celtic teams in the last 20 years. Um, that's not to say other guys wouldn't, but I just feel he is the most the most obvious choice because I don't think any manager that you mentioned there from O'Neill all the way up to present day would have any issue at all in playing and picking Cameron Carter-Vickers. Kieran, yourself? Yeah, I think I think Alan's right with CCV and I think McGregor, just because he is so good and so versatile and consistent, probably would do as well. But I've got I've got a nice wee rogue left field choice for everyone. I think Arsenal Johnston. Um because weirdly, I think he suits Angie's teams the least of all the Celtic managers. Um but I'm I'm not a massive fan of him. I think he's improving and he has shown good qualities. But I actually think his qualities would suit at a new side or a striking side or you know, a Lenin side. Um because he he, he does have Good quad as a fundamental fullback. He's strong. He's quick. Um, you know, he he works hard. It's just maybe the sort of the tidy possession stuff that maybe is where is a bit of a you know he might fall down on. But that's less of an issue when you're on a Martin O'Neill side, a Strachan side, etc. I think he's got the good fundamentals of a conventional fullback. It's just an Ange fullback. He still has work, work to do. So I think actually, I think, funnily enough, I think he'd be a good success uh, with the other Celtic teams. And you know, the time will tell, and I'll be proving a prick that I will be a success with Ange as well. But I do think it'd be quite interesting to think that he'd be. I do think he'd slot in quite seamlessly with other Celtic teams in the past. That's funny because there's certain players I think that kind of. Um, in this Celtic squad that kind of would fit so perfectly into other other um, certain teams, but not into others. Like Haxabanovich is a is a is a Neil Lennon signing. I think you know, get yourself on the pitch, son. Go create something. Give us a couple of goals. No bother, boss. Terrific. Absolutely perfect for that. And the guys like uh, who else? Like uh, even you know, like Starfield. You know, Starfield. You see about CCV. Starfield could play in a lot of these teams as well, but 
you know, I, it's it, it's funny to always kind of take those times to think about who would fit who. And let me ask you a question, Alan. Let me ask you a question. Is there anyone that would be perfect other than, you know, I was going to say other than Henrik Larsson, because Henrik Larsson plays in every Celtic team, but other than someone like Larsson, right? Is there anyone that would be perfect for this Ange team over the last, you know, since contemporary times? Is there anyone that has played that you've thought, oh, he would be perfect for this team? Kieran, obviously I'll throw the question out to you as well. Well, I think this Ange team, if you're trying to get it to its best, probably needs a first-class goalkeeper. And the one... but for two first-class goalkeepers, I think over the last 10 to 15 years, Fraser Forster and Arta Boric, um, I don't know how much Ange would enjoy coaching Arta Boric. I don't think that we don't stop mentality would, but if he was to allow some sort of, you know, if he was to be kind of grandfathered in, so he doesn't have to meet the same strict requirements that the rest of the players do, having a world-class goalkeeper, I, I mean, Boric, 2007, 2008 was genuinely a world-class goalkeeper, one of the best in Europe. And he's not great with the ball at his feet, but he was certainly confident enough and he would, I think, be able to make the same kind of passes that we do just now. But in those big, big moments in Europe, I think after Boric would come up trumps. And if you had that in this team, then Oof. yeah, I would, I would take that. So there might need to be a little bit of a you know meeting in the middle situation with Arthur and um, Ange. But I would, yeah, I would, I would take Arthur Boric at his peak in the Celtic team, with hands down. I just think, I just think you go up a level with Boric. Mm-hmm. He, he he wins you points in the league. He wins you points against Rangers. He wins you points in Europe. And you know, absolutely adore him. And it's an excellent yeah. pick, Alan. I have to say, give you a fighting chance with penalties as well. Oh, I know. <laughs> Jesus, uh, Kieran, yourself, anyone that kind of springs to mind that would be perfect for this Celtic side? I guess a boring answer would be Ayer. Um, but we don't need him anymore because we got we got Kobayashi, oh obviously, God, Jesus, my, 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 my lord and saviour. Get, he's getting at least one mention every pod, <laughs> even if he never plays again. Um, I get, I, 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 I'm trying to think of like like a really, really good number eight that I think would help us. I, as Alan's saying, you're looking for that one player who helps us get to the next level. And I think... So I either think n- number eight or striker, and I think somebody. So I'm caught between choosing Petrov uh, as somebody I think would would suit really well as an Ange number eight, but also Dembele as a striker. Yeah, I I, I think you know we, we talked about how O has these qualities, but I don't. He's, you know he was a bit older than when we got Dembele. That doesn't mean he can't reach the the heights Dembele reached, but there's still clearly work to do before that. Whereas Dembele was the complete package, you know, right away. Okay, it's still work to do, but you could tell. It's not quite worked out for him, but at some point, this was a guy who could have become an elite striker in Europe. And I think he has all the qualities maybe we, we were lacking in Europe this season instead of, you know, we saw him goal scoring, but also just the ability to hold up the ball really well, link play really well. I think he would be a really good player on this team. So, you know, maybe we can get him in the summer. Maybe he'll be that star. If Kyogo's going to Palace or whatever, we can bring Dembele back in a free. <laughs> Celtic would love that. <laughs> oh, fucking, they'd love it. The fans would love it. Um, I'm not sure he would. Uh, I'll be honest. Uh, but for me, I would say Eden McGeady. Eden McGeady, that perfect kind of, you know, forward on the left or on the right. Wherever he wants to play, play Eden McGeady. Um, I think he'd be fucking excellent in this team. Um, 
But there we go, great stuff. Let us know who you think would be great. Who who would you choose? Um, tweet us at 90 Minutes Cynic or uh, let us know on the WhatsApp. Uh, okay, got some news. We don't have a huge amount of news, but we do have some news. Um, Celtic are on course for record-breaking revenue of £112 million for the current financial year. Um, so there's been a confidential report uh, into Celtic's finances and they, re- they revealed that uh, Celtic are on course to announce revenue of £112 million for the year ending June 2023. It would represent a world, re- a world record. <laughs> it would represent a record annual sum for a Scottish football club. Uh, the report was commissioned by the club's stockbrokers Can Accord Genuity Limited a global investment bank firm, blah, blah, blah. Um, they, they spoke to David Lowe, who obviously was Fergus McCann's right-hand man, and some of his quotes. First of all, the numbers posted by Celtic in their interim accounts were fantastic. Then the projections made for the remainder of the financial year are equally impressive. The turnover of £112 million would be a new record, a total of which has obviously been boosted by Champions League participation. Should they hold on to their nine-point lead in the Premiership, that looks like being matched or more likely bettered next season because winning the title will see them automatically qualify again and there is an extra group match in the New Look competition. The outlook for Celtic is compelling and gives the club the opportunity to put that money to good use in Europe. Can Accord are clearly impressed by the potential to grow that income. Um, essentially what it says is that Celtic are a prime uh, football club to invest in because you can kind of get bang for your buck. Uh, Alan, obviously we're not always kind of fully on board with the you know financial aspects of it. As we've mentioned, there'll be a, a biscuit tin uh, reboot happening very, very soon. What's your take on this? It's just positive, I guess. Yeah, I think it is positive, and I think I think it highlights when you get the the marriage of Champions League. I was about to say success. I think we would, after a kind of lean few years, qualifying for the Champions League as a success. Um, but making the Champions League is maybe a better way of saying it. You marry that with then a successful product domestically and what you get is fans that will buy into it uh, entirely. Um, there's obviously, the I think, kind of the new sponsorship deal with Adidas has been um, very successful um, and the club are exploring new markets. It does feel like a number of things coming together at the same time and there is credit to be given for that. Um so as much as we are um, very critical of the board and remain so, you know, in, in some aspects, they, they do know what they're doing. It's not taking a denigrate everything, but it's just about trying to continue that. It is very positive. What I would like to see, though, is that I think that quote that you read out there, I, I haven't listened to, I think David Lowe was on a couple of different pods and things. I haven't actually listened to any of them yet. Um, I think one of the things I would like to, press on with though is the idea that it's not an outlier that should be what we're trying to achieve most yeah. years because then when that then becomes consistent you can then start to rely on that income you can then start to budget based on levels of income there or thereabouts and that's really important because see if this is what we've had previously is this maybe once every three or four years that then just becomes a bonus if this is the your, your base level of income, with obviously fluctuations that are out of your control, I understand. But what you can then do is, is you can put money into different areas, whether it be transfer budget, whether it be youth development, whether it be redevelopment of the you know stadium or the training facilities for the men's and women's team. What what it does is it gives you options, and you can then start to plan slightly longer term, as opposed to a new manager comes in and he needs a budget. 
And then that happens once, and then it's that cycle. He gets that budget that lasts four or five years if we do well, two or three if it doesn't. So I think that's a real positive, but it has to be a marriage of all those things. Champions League qualification, potentially in future European qualification, whatever that looks like, domestic success, fans off the field obviously buying in, and of course player sales, um, which a lot of these things go hand in hand. So it is really positive, but again, I, I would like to see it that to drive on and that be a starting point, not this to be the kind of one outlier year in four or five. And we then kind of go back to revert back to our kind of previous model, which we've got, we've got previous for doing, um, quite frankly. So we've had great results like this before, and then we've actually had three or four lean years. And that's then just kind of used to ease that. I'd like to see this to be a starting point and actually continue to try and build and hopefully make it a little bit more sustainable. Kieran, what's your take thoughts? Yeah, I think I agree with Alan. I think when the gut instinct, I have it, every football fan has it. When you read that, something is like, oh great, we can spend £25 million on players this summer rather than 15 to 20. Um, and I think that's rational. I think we get excited because we, you know, there's just the national assumption that that's that's how football clubs operate because that's what FIFA and football managers <laughs> tells us. Um, but yeah, I think I, I agree with Alan. I think this is it's very, very positive. And I, I do... And but at the same time, it's about whether we, we do try and sustain it. And as Alan's saying, that if you sustain it, that means you can afford not just bigger transfer budgets, but improve your infrastructure. You know, before I left my my job at the Athletic, they were you know they were talking about how they wanted to get the B team to the stage where they were supplying two to three first team players every couple of years. They're well well far off that at the moment. And one, you know, there takes different best practice. It takes not playing in the fucking fifth tier of Scottish football, and it also takes a lot more infrastructure and investment. It's the same thing if we want to see the women's team build. If we want to see, you know, having a scouting department and an analysis department that isn't just a couple, two or three people. You know, it's it's all about building the club up, modernising it properly. Stuff we've been talking about for years, but hasn't apart from a few. You know, apart from a few new hires, has the infrastructure itself hasn't really changed that much. That might have changed since I left in September, but I don't think so, as from from what I've heard. But you know, I I think that's where we want to get to. It is whether we look at 112 million and we just say, right, we want to get to a stage whether, and obviously Champions League money is very dependent on that. But you want to get to a stage where you say, if we get Champions League income, we want. 105 million to be our floor if we don't we want 80 85 90 million to be our floor how do we get that we need we get the stage where we have such a well-run transfer department where you know potentially maybe the case this summer where we sell one or two players either one or two players who contribute like a bad up and then maybe are not an like an arguable starter key player and in addition to champions league money or you, you sell one key player, Champions League money, you don't get Champions League, you sell two key players, whatever, but you just get a, a cycle of that, which we haven't. We've seen to, we seem to have a past of maybe one summer, we sell two or three big players, and then we just the next summer we're a little frightened because our performances dipped that season. And it's just getting to that stage where we're very clinical and efficient with these processes. And, you know, I think January suggested we're, we're, we're starting to get there a bit more this summer. If it is just a bad way, let go, we don't, we don't know. There might be people in for Kyogo, there might be people in for CCV, O'Reilly, whatever. But I think I think it's just getting to this stage where we're just a well-oiled machine in terms of transfer strategy, in terms of Champions League 
income. But I do think when this is exploring new markets, the Adidas deal, these are all, you know, that they, they're overshadowed by Champions League income, but they're all things that when you build those new revenue streams or expand current revenue streams, it all adds up to the point where, you know, we don't, we really don't want to get a point where your, your revenue fluctuates as much as it has. Because as Alan said, when you do have that more sustained stuff, it does, it's, bigger budgets not just for new and exciting players for but just for improving the club overall and I think that's something where we're the three of us have been very pessimistic about the club and I think that's one of the main sources of it is because we've never really seen something like this as an opportunity to you know to go one better to just say to you know say that this is a foundation to build upon not a one-off that we can give nice dividends to shareholders and then we just get back to 60 to 70 million in revenue this is this should be something we can you know we're constantly looking to go one better and that the all the benefits that that has for the club overall so i think that's where i'd quite like to see you know we've seen some positive changes but i think that would be a statement of intent whether we you know say this is a good first step but we've got a lot of work to do to become the club we all know celtic is capable of becoming yeah, absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Um, all great points, Kieran. Um, just on the quotes that David Lowe said, uh, should they hold on to their nine-point lead in the Premiership, that looks like being matched or more likely bettered next season because winning the title will see them automatically qualify again and there is an extra group match in the New Look competition. Uh, nothing changes next season. It's the season after that, that the changes, so there won't be anything extra. So it's more a case of um, matching uh, than bettering. But again, as as Alan kind of uh, alluded to there, European qualification and European competition after next season. We touched out we touched on it in the weekend update as well. You know, there's there's good, there's lots of changes on the horizon from a European point of view and hopefully the club will look at that in a in a way and prepare for that even just now. Because out, even outside the Super League or any any potential new competition, the Champions League is changing and we want to make sure that we are on board for it. Um there's obviously been international football. Uh, we're, we'll briefly talk about the Scotland game, uh, unfortunately. <laughs> um, uh, we've had a couple of um, players come back. Uh, Liel Abada um, uh, returned from international duty. Uh, the Israel boss said, to Liel's credit, it, it should be said that he did everything to be fit. But unfortunately, he arrived injured and it's not been possible. It's a minor injury, but would still limit him from playing. He did not agree to give up the possibility of being available and has tried everything, but it hasn't worked. So Abada turned up and as he said, uh, it seemed to be a minor injury, which is positive. Um, but uh, he, he came back from, from international duty. Uh, Dyson Maeda uh, also was on the bench for Japan, but he decided to return on his own. Uh, Maeda revealed that it was his call to head back to Scotland. I would rather return to the team and prepare for the league match than remain at the national team. There are things I can't get unless I come here. I was inspired uh, by the top Japanese players. Um, just talking about how much he loves it. But the fact is, again, Maeda injured. Um, those two are very key players for us. Uh, you look at the Ross County game, and again, no disrespect to Ross County, but you think to yourself, we've got players in our team and our squad who should be able to go to Ross County and perform Maeda and Abada, and we can all talk about Abada's kind of inconsistency, but at Celtic Park against Rangers, the guy has been a phenomenon. Alan, you'd want both these guys for at least for the derby, right? Yeah, I'd be optimistic that both will be available for Sunday, but I think, yeah, right, that you've got that game before Rangers and 
realistically, if you want to feature, if you want to start in that game in the eighth, you're probably going to have to feature at some point um, at Dingwall. Um, I think the Abada one looks a little bit more straightforward. The Maeda one, um, by all accounts, it was clear that he was injured when he went. Um, And the Japan manager seems to have a slight penchant for and just wanting players to report regardless, which... I mean, it is an extraordinary journey. I can see why Dyson Maida would do it. I can see why any player would do it because you want to absolutely show that it means everything to be called up. But to travel across the world when you know that you're not going to be able to take part um, just to meet up, whether that be for squad morale or just because he wants to get the group together, I think is a little not ideal at the end of March um, as you go into the business end of the season. But you know, I'm, that's just from second-hand reports that I'm seeing um, online from people that follow the Japan national team. That's not maybe it's, uh, there's a kind of miscommunication there, but I'd be a little bit frustrated at that. Um, but hopefully, he is available because, as you say, particularly in that game, both those players are very important. Dyson made as a guaranteed starter for us, um, in my opinion. Um, his form has been incredible. So it would be good to get them both back and hopefully they'll be assessed this week and they'll be in a position to go. You are getting to the time in the season now when players will be carrying knocks. They've been playing consistent football now for three months. Some players get the benefit of a break and some don't. Um, so you're hoping that you can use that time wisely. But the Maida one did seem a little, um, a little unusual, but maybe that's we are maybe putting more stock in the journey than actually you need to maybe consider, but it just it felt a little wasteful from, uh, from, from our point of view. Uh, Kieran, as, as Alan mentioned, you know, Abada and Maida specifically being a kind of, uh, you know, first choice pick, um, but, you know, go to Dingwall and we're, we're kind of, we'll preview it a little bit, you know, with Jota and with Haksabanovic and, you know, um, you know, certain players available that can kind of cover all over the pitch. You you would be confident as long as they're back for the the derby. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think it would be another good opportunity for Haksabanovic. You know, I think people were maybe a, a bit let let down by what he did at Tin Castle. I thought it was fine. I didn't think it was exceptional. I thought it, was, it did his job without excelling. But I think I think it would be a, a chance for him to stake a claim for the derby as well. You know, he's he's not really had much much of a, a chance to, to play these games yet um, against Rangers and uh, you, we know his quality we know what he can do and I do think I, when the game's a little more open for him I think he could be a really good asset for us we know how good he is at getting the ball up the pitch winning fouls, taking the ball past players I think especially if Atati's not there that could be a that could be really important for us because we know how they like to play, they know how direct they like to be, they know they like to use their, you know more physical guys, their their strength. So having somebody who can win those fouls, who can maybe, you know, be able to take the ball in tight positions and get around them, I think he could be a good player for there. If you are going to miss, you know, a, a bad as <laughs> runs at the, the far the far post and made as made as work rate, I think you need to look at what other these individual players can offer and as an alternative. Um. So I think yeah, I think there's, there's that opportunity. Maybe Jota can shore up his place a bit more I think wings I'm absolutely fine with our strength and depth I think I think wings is well it would be nice maybe if I bother to move on to upgrade that right wing I think in general for the rest of the season I think wings is one of our strongest positions for, for, for depth so I'm not overly concerned about county and I, I'd be confident 
enough with Jota and, and Haxabanovic against Rangers. But as you say, it would be nice to have at least one of them feature uh, against County, just just so, you know, for sh- reassurance and for having that option off the bench as well. Um, I'm quite looking forward to the County game. You know, it's one of those ones. It's probably, for the, it's, on paper, it's one of the most straightforward games of the remaining of the season before we get to the split. And then in the split, obviously, games will be a bit trickier. And I think with a, with a proper rest, because we've historically been quite good there, the way it depends whether you know they still play the way they have all season, where for some reason they just let, let our centre backs have the ball. You know, I think there's a way we can definitely attack them. And I think unless they change the way to how St. Midden play against us, <laughs> which is when they just get stand on our centre centre mids and don't let them have a, a moment of time or space, then I think maybe we can look at something a bit trickier. But I'm 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 quite looking forward to it. It's one I love those those um early spring games where hopefully the sun's shining it's it's lunchtime it can really it can really set you off for like a lovely Sunday where you can just potter about or if you have had three or four beers maybe you know just potter about not doing much <laughs> so I think yeah I'm, I'm looking forward to it um in regards to the obviously the you know we'll, we'll touch on the county game in a bit more I always think about Haxabanovic as a kind of sliding door moment if he'd scored that opportunity in the cup final not from Ange's perspective because Ange is going to always have you know his, his thoughts on it I don't think scoring in, a, in that, that Haxabanovic scoring that goal I don't think would affect Ange's thoughts on him overall but I just think it would have from a fan's perspective I don't know um, are you suggesting that Haxabanovic will be on loan at Vittoria Guimaraes in <laughs> 33 years and oh. Declaring for Ireland. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, that would be weird, but um, unless he's got some Irish... Oh, although he is already... It'd be really great news, to be honest. It would, it would be great news uh, for Ireland fans. Uh, before we get to Mikey Johnson, because we want to talk about him briefly, um, Anthony Ralston pulled out the Scotland squad, injured again. Uh, is that a worry? Uh, he's been, he spent a lot of this season either unavailable or just not getting a lot of game time. Kieran, thoughts? Yeah, yeah, I think it's it's a shame. I do wonder that it's just it, you do wonder in these certain situations whether it's just like a continuation of the injury he had um, over winter. I, I did you do you know he played a lot of football um, last season and he did play quite a bit the start of this one. And you do you do wonder whether again it's just what potentially something he needs maybe more time to recuperate or needs a, a certain type of surgery or whatever I, I have no idea they're purely speculating but yeah it's a it's a little concern i guess the, the only thing you could take um some some comfort from is that like johnston has been very steady and he, he's because you know he, he looks like like uh a physical specimen who just seems to like have a good engine he seems to be quite you know sturdy and he can play two games a week if necessary he won't have to at this point because you know maybe until after the split there'll be a couple of midweek games but it does look I think that's the one comfort you take from it but again yeah we'll wait and see what it comes back with but from from Ralston um, I think it'll be I think it'll be fine until the end of the season you know, I think it's what there's right back maybe one of those situations in the summer you look at and you reassess well are we are we properly happy at right back or or not? You know, as as Ralston because Johnston has played so much football, is I was Ralston happy with, you know, fifteen games next season rather than the 30, 25, 30 he all played this season or last season. But you know but that's I think until the 
end of this campaign, I think everything's fairly okay. I think it's just that one of those situations because everything's going so well, we just latch on to the small, maybe small things, but it's well, oh, slight causes for concern. Um, I think Alan's right. It's just this time of the season, the amount of football that's been played, you're going to have more injuries quite frequently. Yeah, um, you know, he, he, I think he was involved in about 47 games last season. He's been involved in 11 this season, Alan. Um, do you think Angel can be taking a note of it? Because, you know, you don't like to see someone kind of get into that injury routine where it keeps they keep breaking down or everything. Is that a case of just kind of keep him out until he's fully fit and rested? I, I, I don't think I don't think the manager will think like that. I think he'll just he'll want a full complement. And I think unless you do have a, a an injury that needs attention, um, and then as a decision, do, do you do that now, or as Keaton says, do you do it towards the end of the season? But I think from the manager's point of view, you would be expecting players to be making themselves available. And Anthony Ralston, I, I don't doubt, will be trying that. Potentially, he is just trying to get himself nice and organised for um, for Dingwall on Sunday, since he owns the place. <laughs> Very true. Um, Mikey Johnson, we'll, we'll finish up the news with with just some some quotes from Mikey Johnson. Uh, Mikey Johnson not giving up uh, on his Celtic career after a thrilling Ireland debut. Um, so he was asked about going back to play for Celtic in the longer term. We will see. I want to enjoy football and I want to play. I don't want to sit on the bench and not get games. I just want to feel important. Last year I did still play 20 games for Celtic, so it's not like I was pushed out the door. I played in a cup final for Ange Postacoglu. He gave me an extra year when I left the club, so that gave me the faith to say he wants me to come back to club to the club and produce. There's a lot of players in that position, maybe six or seven wingers, including myself. I need consistency, I need more minutes. We had an honest, we, I needed more minutes, sorry. We had an honest conversation and they said it was best I went elsewhere to get them minutes, and I was fine with that. I need a bit of a freshen up. Opinions on me weren't accurate, and I wanted to change that. I had to get away from the UK, to be honest. Um, there's no question that Mikey Johnson is a technically proficient and talented footballer. But do you think he has a future at Celtic long term? Uh, I'm, 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 I could elaborate on, on that, but do you know what? We'll, we'll just leave it there. I'll, I'd like to get your thoughts. Alan, we'll start with yourself. I, I certainly I wouldn't. I wouldn't rule it out. I think he's quite a long way away from being a starting player at Celtic. Um, I don't think the the route is as direct as one loan season at Vittorio Guimaraes and then straight back into the Celtic first team. Um, and I think the the more difficult question might then be, having had what appears to be a successful you know, eight months or whatever it is so far, how likely is Mikey Johnson to come back and be content to be a rotational option again? Um, he's missed a lot of football um, because he's been extremely unfortunate with some severe injuries. Um, so I don't think it's as direct as the route is direct as that. But I, I, I think the point that he made there about the contract extension, and we've talked about this in recent weeks with discussing other players, Mikey Johnson is an extremely talented player. Um, and he, at the point that he left us last year, his kind of stock, if you like, was at a little bit of a low ebb um, after a kind of rough few years. But he is a player that I think we should be quite happy to keep a hold of. He's not on an exorbitant wage. It doesn't prevent his bringing other players in. And he's a player that came through the Youth Academy, who's actually contributed quite a lot over the years. I don't see any value in letting Mikey Johnson just 
slip out, you know, the exit door at Celtic without, you know, either attaining a reasonable fee for him or perhaps, the you know, some sort of sell-on or something. I just feel like, why would you not extend him for another couple of years? You know, he looks like he's he's fit again, looks looking strong again. I haven't watched a lot of Vittorio Guimaraes, but it does seem to be a, a successful loan spell. So I think it is one that you reassess and I wouldn't be surprised if you, you try and activate an extra year again and then consider, you know, in the summer, will he potentially get a loan move elsewhere? probably consider the hierarchy of our wingers as well and James Forrest really hasn't played a lot of football this second half of the season um, so you wonder if maybe there, there is a kind of space opening up there that, that, that could be looked at for him I think it's one you need to reevaluate, but I don't think it's as direct as Vittoria Guamares straight back into the Celtic first team but you know if there is a, a, a redemption story in terms of him getting back into the Celtic first team then you know the first step to that is probably playing and playing well and it seems to be the case so I think in the summer it will reevaluate potentially a second loan move but I would be happy for the club to you know maintain contact maintain his contract and then see where we are and maybe a, a bit further down the line but I, I would hate to see him just leave you know under freedom of contract for, for no fee because he's a talented player and it's just a case of trying to get the best out of him uh, Great points um, I think he's I, I think he's one of those players that would if we do have a complete get to pre-season and everything's fresh and everything's back and he comes back and he's fully fit and he's ready to go, I do think Ange would be, you know, that whole idea of like be having a hierarchy of this guy's going to play and this guy, because we kind of don't have that. We know who the key, key players are, but Ange is very, sometimes gives players opportunities um, when you maybe don't expect them to get them. I think if he comes in and everything's fresh, I think he's got an opportunity. I'm not saying he would be able to... And this is the thing. Would he be able to really kind of wedge out his own first-team position? I'm, 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 that's what I would say probably not, as in consistent. Like the way... We don't have a hierarchy, but, you know, Jota, Maeda, you know, th- those guys are two specific examples of guys that are going to start every week. Abada's looking like he wants to leave because he's not playing enough. Kieran, I'll, 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 what's your thoughts on it? Yeah, I think I'm I'm the same. But I'm I'm like I'm happy for him. I think he has I had, I don't think he's been he hasn't started a lot recently, but by all counts he seems to have done well. Victoria obviously he played really well for Ireland. I I was a massive I am a massive um, Mikey Johnston mark and I really, really hope to see him do well. I do wonder if when I when I look at what the minutes Forrest is getting in hands, right? Is he's not with Hagsavanich since Alex Abadis has properly come into the fold and with Maeda in the form he's in and Abada such a like a I got like a guaranteed option. You know, he is player 12, 13, 14. Boris minutes are really reduced. And I do wonder it's better well, personally I do wonder it's better just giving those minutes to, to Vata rather than Johnston. Um, you know, there's somebody that's he is, you know, one of the crown jewels of that B team and a B team that has very very few <laughs> crown jewels so you you're, you know, really th- have to think if we are you know I mentioned it earlier that the, the club want the B team to be the equivalent of what Benfica be Porto be you know Ajax you, well, they're not called Ajax be they go young Ajax but that's a pernicky point but anyway but they want to get to the stage where they are such a regular source of player first team players 
And there are miles, miles away from that. And one of the first steps you have to get is giving these players game time. And there's only so many minutes you can hand out to players. And we've got so many wingers as it is that, you know, if we let, you know, if a batter leaves and you bring in another player that, you know, we'd want to bring in a player that could really help us reach the next level in the Champions League, then you need to give Mitt Forrest minutes to someone. I just, you know, I just don't see it for Johnston. I just don't. You know, maybe he can come back and be exceptional, and that would that would be a brilliant story. And I'd, you'd, there'd be no no one who'd love that more than me. But I just think I mentioned earlier about how clinical and efficient you have to be, and that's at all stages of the club. I do wonder would be better whether it is you know he still has a couple more years in his contract. Whether that would be another loan move, maybe to a top, maybe to like a Serie A team. You know, you're looking at how successful the Scottish clubs are doing. You do it to a bottom half Serie A team or something. There could be something quite exciting there or whether as Alan's saying you do go for I think you can get good money well relatively good money I think you know maybe two and a half million or something two and a half million to three million you could probably ask for given his credibility but always he's produced and then you have a decent sell-on fee like you really hammer home 20-25% or something I think that's maybe an option to go down I think it's just I don't know I think maybe just the <laughs> you know the boat is sailed maybe a little bit for Johnston Alan yeah, I, th- I think just on that on that last point, I, I don't think it's unreasonable and I think probably most people would be of the opinion that the strength of the squad has moved on to an extent that it's maybe as difficult as it's ever been um, for Mikey Johnston um, and probably would agree largely. I think what from the player's point of view and from the club's point of view, though, that there's two things. I think one of w- which is that Mikey Johnston will probably want to have a kind of sit down discussion, maybe at the end of this loan spell, and have and maybe ask the question whether there will be another opportunity for him to come back for a pre season, and then you know be assessed based on that when he's fit and available and he's played football. That's fair enough if he gets that. I think the other is that it's about how you deem success for for a player that has come through the academy. One of the markers for that is the captain at the moment, and genuinely is. I mean, the success that he's had for a player who came through the academy is a story that almost writes itself. Um, The other marker, though, is a player who contributes potentially to the first team, which Mikey Johnson has at at different periods over the last four or kind of five years. But the other is that actually the club can command a fee for you. And I think there's a tendency amongst ourselves, fans, just to maybe think... He's not going to make it. Let's get him out the door and let's have one less guy to think about. When actually, I think what you look at what other clubs do is is that they realise that the player has a value and you might not be able to realise that value for maybe 12, 18 months. And by extending his contract, potentially extending his contract again for another year, I think that's exactly what Kieran mentions. If he establishes himself as an international um, and he finishes the season strongly with the Toria, I don't doubt that you know clubs down south, maybe clubs in other parts of Europe will look at him and say, you know, two million pounds. You know, a sell-on fee—that's money that they would be happy to um, to spend. And that might not sound like a lot when we look at the players we've sold over the years. But if you can do that once or twice every couple of years for players that aren't good enough, maybe to contribute or strengthen your first team. But if you can do that to the players who aren't good enough, what it then means is that if you have a couple of them, that means you maybe don't have to sell a first-team player, you don't have the urgency to sell a first-team player. And I think that's a, an area where we have maybe lacked a little bit. Um, you look at the amount of players that come through our academy who do go on to have really good professional careers, but that they leave Celtic under freedom, freedom of contract. 
it's a little bit wasteful. And I think Mikey Johnson might be one that fits into that scenario. We had a discussion about David Turnbull maybe two or three weeks ago that was maybe along similar lines and that it's becoming more and more difficult for him to play first team football. But he is a top player and he will have a value, but it's maybe he's at his lowest point at the moment. I think Mikey Johnson's the other side of that as well. So it's about just trying to think not about let's clear a space in the first team squad just now. It's about where is that player's kind of peak value and how can we realise that? Yeah. Kieran? Just two quick things. I think Alan's right that, you know, we we discussed it with Welsh as well as as a player who contributes to the first team, but is maybe not going to be a guaranteed starter. So you sell them for two, two and a half, three million. That's a success story. I think the little, and I think it would be for Johnston the same. It just would be a bit of a shame because when I was chatting to academy coaches, they talked about this guy as being the best player, academy player since McGeady, especially since, you know, we think of McGregor and Tierney as being our two best players probably this century but they they were a bit relatively late developers they weren't guys who really came into the one until 18 even McGregor didn't you know really start to show how good he could be till, till his 20s Johnston was a guy who through his mid-teens into his late teens was out, like unbelievable like the academy coaches couldn't believe how good this player was and I think it may be just a bit of a shame that both as a player for Celtic and in terms of the fee we could command if we sold him, he just wouldn't reach those levels, which it just looks like that ship has sailed, um, to use the, the same analogy twice. Um, but the, the other thing, I guess, where you could have a, you know, have a tick in his, in his box is having the homegrown qu- quotient for the Champions League as well. If we are going to let go of Welsh, maybe Turnbull, maybe Bain, you know, these are guys who contribute to the homegrown quotient in the academy the factor we do need to replace those players with someone or we just accept that we have a smaller squad and you know Johnston I guess you know I guess it's not it's not a massive thing in the grand scheme of things but that could be a, a tick in, in one box at least I can just imagine Celtic selling Abada for 11 and a half million pounds and then saying here's your new signing all the way from Portugal it's Mikey Johnston yeah um, nah, listen, I'm a big fan of him and who knows what will happen to him. I think he'll come back and, you know, and you'll be frank with him and, you know, I think we'll see. But um, I do like him. I think he's a talented young man. I think he still can have a really great career in the game. It just might not be at Celtic long term. Um, a couple of kind of points before we can move on. Uh, Liverpool, Celtic versus Liverpool Legends. Did you see any of it, Alan? I turned the Scotland game off at half time. <laughs> no to wonder. I had I was leaving the house about ten to four. Um so I watched most of the first half of the Celtic Legends against Liverpool Legends game. It looked like good fun. I knew quite a few folk that were going down for it. Some had been down on a Friday, some were heading down on a Saturday morning in buses. Um I think they were just making the most of it. So um result wasn't great. Some of the boys need to have a look at themselves, I think. We'll get themselves a right good shake. Um, they were really poor, to be fair, in the game. It wasn't a classic, um, but it looked like a good bit of fun and actual money going to actual charities. It's quite a novel idea. Yeah, especially... Um, I just... Stephen Gerrard, fuck him. Um, <laughs> love it. <laughs> Ross Wallace absolutely binning Charlie Adam as like if a chatbot had to come up with a football scenario. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, it's it like, was. I mean, it's a fair meat tackle. Um, uh, so Ross Wallace, good for him. You know how those good like those um, image AIs you type in and it comes up with something like um, a pirate sitting on a pot of gold or whatever. I don't know. Um, you know, I I put one in ages ago and it was like Paul McStay match winning pass to Henrik Larsson and I just sat and looked at it for ages. Um, Ross Wallace, <laughs> uh, absolutely. Um, 
taken out Charlie Adam is just no one would even think of that that's like holy shit and it actually happened in real life so I great stuff um there's a Kyogo documentary I've seen it kind of floating about kind of Twitter I've not had the chance to kind of check through it Kieran have you seen any of this no enough it's completely passed me by Alan have you seen some of it I watched about four o'clock this morning um <laughs> that was my I quite enjoyed it didn't understand any of it um yeah, obviously, there's, there's a lot of really good images, though. A lot of good images of them, um, kind of going around Glasgow. Um, is, there, is there no su- is there no subtitles? No, no, no. Oh, no right, okay. so but I was quite happy just you know watching Kyogo. To be honest, it was it was split into nine parts. Um, it was just a, a Twitter thread, and it was quite good. Maybe a slightly gratuitous shot of his um, flat in Glasgow. Oh, okay, flat, fine. Um, yeah, no, no, there wasn't anything like that. I, I watched all nine, and there was unfortunately there was there was no such thing. Um, but some good footage around around Lennox Town. Um, Him and Jota being uh, wee pals and all that. Yeah, Jota seen the camera, and obviously thought I'll get myself in Japanese TV here. It, it was quite good, and to be fair, I would recommend looking at it. The the last um, the kind of ended of it is. Is very sweet. He, he ends up playing football um, with a, a kid somewhere in the West End, just that's playing in, with his dad in the park. And I mean, he just it just comes across as a great guy. I quite like the footage of him driving about. It reminded me of again, we're going back to the old Celtic video, Too Good, I think, where it was. Um, I think Paul Lambert driving about in his car. Yeah. Um, I just like things like that, seeing footballers kind of in a slightly different environment. Um, but it was good, and it, it really genuinely comes across well. Um, but I, I, no actual takeaways in what he mentioned during it. He could have been saying the whole time, I hate it here and I hate this fucking city. <laughs> but I was still sitting there with a wee smile on my face. It was good. But maybe don't show his exact flat, because um, it's a fairly well-known spot in a very close to town area that probably people know exactly what I'm talking about, where quite a few places there, but maybe don't show his flat. Yeah. Uh, great stuff, though. Um, I might have a check of that this afternoon. Uh, we'll we'll kind of briefly talk about the Scotland game. Um, I've just put turgid performance, but good result, Kieran. Yeah, I was having such a nice Saturday as well. Went for a long run. I baked a chocolate fudge cake. Oof. I did tidy the flat a bit. Set, grab, made my, grab myself a nice blanket IPA. Sat down and just nearly ruined my weekend. <laughs> uh um, half half exaggerating. Um, yep, yeah, it was just grim. I was saying before we recorded. I think watching Steve Clark Scotland does, you know, bring into stark relief um, how fun it is to watch Angers Celtic. Yeah, just be, just because like I said before, just like watching the way that our especially our midfielders, the fullbacks, the wingers move for each other, creating space for each other, and the way we build from the back, we get a progress the ball at the pitch. It's just so fluid, it's so quick, it's so snappy. And, you know, just watching Hanley and Porteous pass to each other before Porteous just, like, <laughs> tries some thread, thread it through and it being intercepted. It's just not fun. And then just relying on long balls down the, the the flanks for, you know, Tierney overlapping or otherwise Robertson and and a Hickey to get onto. It was just very, very grim. And it's just it having us home every time that, you know, Clark, he's done really well, got some really good results, and we looked defensively secure, but it was a very controlled performance. You know, Cyprus didn't really get a sniff, but it's just trying to create chances or, you know, use the ball in possession. It's just very grim to watch. Yeah, I mean, like, I, you know, I know everyone's not necessarily a Scotland fan, so we won't spend too long on it, but you know, there is a lot of talented players there. We've been watching Clark ball for 
I don't know what, three years, four years since 2018-19. And it's just really grim. I'm sorry. I know people will say, well, we've been successful. You know, we we get scudded at the Euros. You know, we we qualified, you know, I'm not going to go too hard on results, right? But, you know, I just think giving a a manager a, um, a contract before a campaigns started when he didn't qualify for the last campaign it's just bonkers it just kind of sums the sfe up where it's like eh, everyone seems to be okay and everyone seems to be happy let's just keep going with the way we're going as opposed to let's actually look to see what else we could get um alan i know you're not the, the biggest scotland fan but it's just there seems to be some talented players there and it's just not quite it's just pish to watch frankly yeah, it wasn't great. It's not a good sign when you turn off an actual competitive game of football at half time to watch over 35s or over 40s play. But the first half of the Legends game started as the second half of the Scotland game was starting. Uh, and um, there wasn't really a, a change of channel, but there wasn't much a change in the standard. Um, it wasn't great, to be fair. Cyprus just kind of sat in, so I, maybe in defence slightly. I, I, as you say, I'm not I'm not overly fussed. I like watching the Celtic players and former Celtic players doing well. Every time McGregor gets the ball, you're just delighted, and then he's got Ryan Jack beside him. It just makes it very, very hard to cheer Scotland on. Um, it wasn't a great game of football, but you've been 3-0. I think you maybe put your stock in the, the game, is it tomorrow night against Spain? Yeah. I think you maybe put a wee bit more in there. You've probably got an eye on that because you'll probably need to play more of that way tomorrow night to try and get a result. So, yeah, I, I seen you were I seen you were fair wound up because I seen Scott Gemmell getting in the neck on Twitter as well. I am off you, so I I thought I, he's obviously he's on a rant here. He's having a fucking pop at the under 15s manager next. Aye, aye. Where's Scott Gemmell? He's been it. quite be quiet night. He's been in the job since 2016 and we've just done absolutely fucking nothing with under 21s. Anyway, you know. Job for life, mate. Job for life. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, do you know what? It is what it is. We'll, we'll see. I'll watch happens. that game tomorrow, right? No, I think that'll be, I think it'll be an interesting game. Spain. Busquets still play with Spain, I think. I, I think he retired after the World Cup, did oh, he? That's a shame. I'm go- I love, love watching that fella, honestly. I'm going to see Tim Heidecker so tomorrow, so I'm not going to see the Scotland game anyway. Um, oh, Mr. Fucking Tartan Army there. I'm absolutely not Mr. Tartan Army. I'm a comedy show. I'm absolutely not Mr. Tartan Army. I am not a fan of those uh, those fellas. Uh, Celtic FC women are taking on Rangers uh, tonight, 7.30 at Broadwood. It's the first game post-split. This is the first season uh, the women's uh, division has had a split since they came under the SPFL um, kind of management. Uh, the game's on Sky Sports. It's a 7.30pm kickoff. Honestly, the last game was frustrating but entertaining and hopefully this will be uh, a, a victorious Celtic gay victory. A victorious Celtic victory. Um, yeah, looking forward to that. Claire and Lorenzo will obviously cover it on the, the Cynic uh, Week, uh, Cynic uh, Women's Football Show. This is what we've got coming up this week on the uh, Cynic. You're listening to the agenda, of course, which drops every Monday. Tomorrow, we've got the review with uh, Christian and Graham. If you've got any um, questions or comments, WhatsApp or um, email uh, info at the Cynic or editor at the Cynic.co, and uh, we'll pass them on to them. Wednesday, Celtic Women's Football Show, Claire and Lorenzo will be looking at the, the Rangers game. 
And I believe there's a game at the weekend as well. Thursday, the Cynic Weekly, as always. Friday, we've got the weekend update. On Saturday, we've got Beyond the Scoreboard, uh, which should be good. We'll get questions for that as well. And on Sunday, we'll have the reaction to the Ross County game. Um, we'll kind of look at the, the game at the weekend. We've had a few questions that we'll maybe might not get to today, but we can certainly get to through the week. Um, but we do have a question from uh, Paul Gibson. Paul Gibson says, he's, he's got a hypothetical for us. Got a hypothetical. We appear to have a number of wingers struggling for this weekend. Let's say Ange goes 4-4-2 with Kyogo and O up top. Who are your midfield for and why? So um, let's just say hypothetical wise, uh, we've got Kyogo and O up top. 4-4-2, um, Kieran Devlin. Who would be your midfield for and why? Difference, it's a different formation, different style, different thoughts, Kieran, isn't it? It is, it is different thoughts. Um, probably, I guess McGregor and Moy, I guess you'd, you'd probably go, assuming Moy, Moy's fit. Um, and McGregor's your, your, you know, as you say, he's a guaranteed pick and Moy's form is better than Riley and you're wanting, you know, away at county. You're probably going to, you don't want to try Owata as he's more of a engine defensive type character. Um, and then on the wings, I get probably um, Jota and Haxabarovic. <laughs> to be honest, I think I just go for the the two the two fit wingers. I think Haxabarovic can, you know, come inside and contribute that way. Um, and both Haxabarovic and Jota have decent delivery if we're going to, you know, feed the two strikers. Um, so I think yeah, just that's probably what I'd go for. What about yourself, Alan? I'd like to commend Kieran. He's made a good fist of that there. Um, <laughs> I'm panicking if that's what we're doing. I don't. I don't like it. That's. I don't think um, Jot and Haxabanovich fancy doing all that defensive work. To be honest, um, but yeah, if, if I had to probably go that, you could maybe give an outside shot. Could I maybe play a diamond and just ask the fullbacks to absolutely empty the tank? Um, yeah, maybe a diamond, and then that gives you the option of Matt O'Reilly maybe playing as a 10, David Turnbull even as a 10. Um, Haxabanovich yeah. as a 10? Haxabanovich as a 10, which probably is his natural position. I think you're being a wee bit, wee bit um, optimistic with the, the chance of him getting a number eight slot. He's a, he's, a, he's a lazy fella. He's not chasing that ball back away, so that's not happening. Maybe, yeah, I'll go a diamond and then just say to fullbacks, by the way, boys, you can have a couple of days off if he's doing that Because <laughs> you are up and down that line all day. Up and down it, no doubt. Uh, obviously, we've got Ross County at the weekend. So, uh, Sunday, it's a 12pm kickoff. It's the first game back. Alan, we don't want to go into too much detail because we're going to cover that this week as we kind of get towards it and get closer. But how are you feeling about it? Are you compl- confident? Um, I think you always just get a wee bit nervous when you get a break because you, everything's going along nicely. If anything, you would just like to the conditions to remain exactly the same, no break, no change, just routinely beat teams in the league, which is what we've been doing. So, no, it'll be nice. It'll be interesting when Ange has his you know press conference either Thursday or Friday, because that's probably the... You might get an indication then of any kind of players that aren't going to be available. He tends not to say who won't... Um, he doesn't really give much of the condition of the players who are available, so it's either they'll be there or they'll not be there. So yeah. we might get a little indication there about Hatati, Maeda, Abada. I think the only one, I think if he doesn't mention Hatati, I take that as a good sign. So the first target is get to Andrew's press conference, and he's very coy about injuries, but he usually tells you if someone won't 
you know, be part of the squad. So that's the that's the the first milestone we need to get to. But I'm looking forward to it very much. Cannot wait. Uh, Kieran, in regards to obviously it's a, it's an away game. You know, is you, are you confident about away games the way you maybe haven't been in the future in, in, in the past? And when I say confident, obviously you're always confident Celtic are going to win. But there seems to be an air of confidence going into every game, whether it be away at home that isn't it necessarily always the case. Yeah, I, I think. We've just sort of forgotten that time where we didn't win away from home for what nine months. Or something. <laughs> yeah. I mean, just last year. No, oh, yeah, two, last year. Yeah. <laughs> no, two years ago. Sorry, but there was it was like February till October or something. We something just didn't wild. win. That was just mad. <laughs> so yeah, I think quite a bit different to to, to then. Um, yeah, I think it's just I think we've got the tools now to break down all sort to break down all sorts of teams if they're trying to be a bit more proactive, like Hibs where have have been this season other than when they went down to 10 last week or St. Johnston the last time we play, we played them you know we could just destroy them on the break because we've got pace and quality and if they do try and sit 10 men behind the ball we have been quite good at breaking them down we've got we've had quite a few goals from set pieces you know players like oh add a different dimension um i think i think maybe you know you as I said before, I would like a player like Hitati who can create a bit more through the middle against these deep teams or maybe can do this sort of one-touch link-up player in the box like him. And I think he, we will miss that. But I do have confidence in the rest of the squads that we can break down all sorts of teams now. You know, I think we are just at the stage where we are just, n- n- you know, nullifying our we- the, we- the few weaknesses we've had. And it's it's just quite terrifying for other teams to to face when we do our do have quite a complete squad domestically at least you know Champions League is an entirely different scenario but I do think yeah I don't think we've anything to fear from away games and I think we generally Dingwall we've had some tricky games there but we always do seem to get a good result and yeah I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to it I'm hoping as I said earlier if, well if it's sunny I think we'll breeze it it'll be four 0 everyone has a good time if it's cold wet and rainy and windy. Oh yeah, maybe maybe a bit more anxious, but yeah, it'll be a good time. Just a one 0 yeah, yeah. But Celtic yeah. definitely winning. Let's just yes. let's just lay that out there. Um, Alan, the games are coming thick and fast. Um, it really does feel. I, I don't know. I I just got this this week. Just thinking about what's left. We're going into April. It really is squeaky bum time, and I know we've got that really great advantage of nine points in the in the lead. But looking ahead to that Angels game. You win that, you're in a really great position. Yeah, 100%. I think it's fine saying you've got a nine-point lead, but I think um, look, we like to say how better we are, and I think we do firmly believe we're a better side than Rangers, but I think we've maybe been in a situation previous years. I mean, what you've got to acknowledge, though, is that what you've got on the 8th of April is a team coming to Celtic Park that no a win is required. There's no playing it out, there's no trying to be coy and, you know, actually a draw is fine. You've got to come and win. Um, otherwise, most likely, the rest of the season, unless there's some, you know, really bizarre results, the rest of the season becomes a non-event. Um, so that's a proposition that I think we can meet head on. Um, it doesn't mean Rangers come and they'll absolutely attack from the first whistle, but you've got a team coming to Celtic Park that their season is relying on it. And we had that something quite similar last year and we weren't able to win. So I think you maybe try and take that. We talked a lot about the Scottish Cup semi-final from last year and how we were going to be different this year. I think this game, 
that we've got in 8th April might be very similar to the game that we had at Celtic Park last season um, and I think you then try and say right okay let's go one better then and let's try and win it and you know, try and do what we did back in September just do that again because well I would enjoy that that would be nice so um, yeah just more than the same again but I think get over Ross County and then you've put yourself in a position that what Rangers have done is irrelevant um, and then win that game and it's yeah April becomes quite comfortable aside from the Scottish Cup so exciting very exciting very very exciting and uh, uh, you can uh, have the cynic by your side um, talking you through everything um, this has been fantastic as always uh, we're getting right back into it obviously um, next week we'll be have games to talk about but um, Keenan Devlin this has been outrageously good thank you for getting involved sir pleasure's all mine Chris Great stuff. Uh, Alan Edgar, we'll speak to you very soon. Thank you very much. Enjoyed it. Great stuff. Lots of stuff coming up on The Cynic. Uh, as always, from Kieran Devlin, from Alan Edgar, from myself, Chris Gallagher, this has been The Agenda, and we'll speak to you down the road.